because we are now at one in four kids, one in three adolescents are dealing with anxiety. So it is deeply pervasive in our culture. Go ahead, shake that jar of sprinkles and celebrate your role as a mom. I'm Stephanie Fleece. And I'm Michelle Fortin with City Mom Collective. And our hope is that this podcast brings a smile to your face, a skip to your step, and a sprinkle or two to your mundane. This is Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood, a podcast by City Mom Collective. Hey, friends. Welcome to Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood, episode 97. Today, you are in for a huge treat. I have been so excited about this episode for over two months now because we are talking about a topic that is at the forefront of so many moms' minds, and that is anxiety in kids. So when we were talking about bringing on someone to talk about this very topic, an expert, because Michelle and I are not experts on anxiety in children, one expert came to my mind as a, I must talk to her about this, and that is Sissy Goff. Sissy Goff is the Director of Child and Adolescent Counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries in Nashville, Tennessee. She works alongside her counseling assistant and pet therapist, Lucy the Havanese. Since 1993, she's been helping girls and their parents find confidence in who they are and hope in who God is making them be both as individuals and families. Sissy also happens to be a sought-after speaker for parenting events and the author of 12 books, including the best-selling Raising Worry-Free Girls, Braver, Stronger, Smarter for Elementary-Age Kids, Girls, and her newest release, Brave, A Teen Girl's Guide to Beating Worry and Anxiety. Sissy is a regular contributor to various podcasts and publications, as well as her own podcast called Raising Boys and Girls. You can find more information and resources about Sissy and the work that she does at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Now for my conversation with Sissy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood, the podcast of City Mom Collective. And today's conversation is one that I have been looking forward to for months. Uh, Sissy Goff has made a significant difference in my own personal life and the lives of my girls, uh, but uh, has I'm just one of many, many people that she has influenced with the work that she does. And so, Sissy, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Steph. I'm so honored to be here with you. Uh, well, for those listening that are not familiar with the work that you do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, specifically the work that you are doing in Nashville and certainly beyond? Yes, I have been counseling girls predominantly and families for 30 years, which feels like a really long time now. And get to take my dog to work, which is a really fun part of what I do. I work in a little yellow house called Daystar Counseling, where we have, I think, currently 2,000 families that are in our care. And we try to do counseling differently because we're working with kids. So we literally are in a house and we have a white picket fence. And if you were to walk in this afternoon, we have popcorn popping in the office and five dogs wandering around the building and um, just wanting it to feel as disarming and warm and inviting as it possibly can feel for kids who come. And so out of that work, I have had the privilege of getting to write some books and speak around the country on different parenting topics and have a podcast of my own called Raising Boys and Girls that I, I do with 
two of my dear friends and coworkers. Yeah. Well, I just listened to your most recent uh, podcast episode that was talking about actually a very similar topic uh, of anxiety yes. and the tools and resources that uh, you and your co-host David shared were just so, so good. So we will definitely include uh, a link to that episode in our show notes because it was, uh, I know, so helpful to me to kind of walk through some of that. Um, but you kind of glanced over, I mean, you were an author of a lot of books too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have, I have one of them here. <laughs> and because I am a mama- It matches your room so well and your blouse. I love it. I, I didn't yes. do that on purpose, but- <laughs> Uh, but yes, I am a mama of three girls. And so uh, obviously the Raising Worry Free Girls has been uh, instrumental in helping me navigate as a mom, uh, some of my girls uh, anxiety. And so uh, that's one of the many reasons why we wanted to bring you on to talk about anxiety and kids. Um, but let's just jump into some of the questions that we have pre-submitted for today's interview. Uh, and I think some of these are maybe going to seem a little elementary in nature, but uh, we want to kind of lay some of the groundwork first. So for those of you that are just kind of getting your toes wet into this anxiety um, and mothering and how to champion and support your kids, uh, I thought starting with the question of how would you as a professional define worry and anxiety, especially when it comes to kiddos? Yes, that's such a great question, an important question. And and it looks different on different kids. And I think I sit with a lot of parents who just say things like, my child's really explosive or they're really controlling and they're really demanding and and aren't aware sometimes that worry or anxiety are at the root of that. And so, you know, I, I talk about it in the book, like kind of this worry continuum. And on one end is fear. And we all know fear is fear exists when we're around the object we're afraid of. Or we think we're about to be around it. You know, I, I see a spider and I feel afraid, or I think there might be a spider and I feel afraid. Worry is more pervasive and we worry about different subjects. Typically, worry is not, we're not present to the here and now when we're worried. So we're worried about something in the past or something in the future. And then anxiety, I would say, is even more pervasive, pervasive than that. And anxiety is more when we get stuck. I talk about it with girls in my office, like the one loop roller coaster at the fair. And so, you know, we, all of us who are a part of this conversation have hundreds of what are called intrusive thoughts every day. And, and many of them are worst case scenario types of thoughts. I just failed that my zippers unzipped, you know, whatever the thought is. And if we don't have anxiety, that thought comes in and it goes right back out. But if we have anxiety, the thought comes in and it gets stuck mm. and it loops and loops and loops and loops around. Mm. And so for kids, what they're stuck on is often different than what we're stuck on. But I think anytime we can tell if you have a child who's asking endless questions, that's often indicative of they're, they're caught in a worried loop. Mm, yeah. Well, um, I, I have so many things that I share or ask, but um, I, <laughs> what I what I want to transition to the next question, because I think this um, could be helpful for people to understand you know, what are some common signs that you see or that moms coming into your office with their kiddos see uh, of knowing that your kid may be struggling with anxiety in particular? Well, I would say there are kids who lean towards being more explosive and more implosive. And the kids who lean towards being more explosive are the ones that the parents say angry, 
controlling, demanding. But as a therapist, my first question is typically, tell me when you're seeing it. What are the patterns that are emerging when they tend to explode? And it's typically times of unpredictability or transition. So he thinks he can play video games for 10 more minutes and you actually got behind on the schedule and he needs to go to bed right now. And you tell him, we got to go to bed right now, right now, right now. And he just melts down. Mm -hmm. Or she thinks you're going to drive straight home from school and you actually have four errands you have to run and then go by your grandmother's house and she just loses it. Mm -hmm. And so for those kids, it's, it's not what I was expecting. I mean, I have anxious kids who even really struggle on birthdays and Christmas because they had a certain gift in their head they were expecting. Mm. It looks entitled. Mm. But what it is really is this is what I was expecting and you just changed it without any warning for me. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if someone told me at three o'clock in the afternoon that I didn't get to do anything in my day, I thought I was going to, and I had no control over it, I would probably melt down too. Yeah. And my frontal lobe is developed that helps me think rationally. And so anyway, that's the more explosive end. The more implosive end are, I think, if we were going to really generalize, I would say a lot of boys lean towards being more explosive, okay. although they can be implosive as well. And girls, girls really can be both. I think girls early on can be more explosive. And then there's a point that girls tend to internalize those emotions. Okay. And so, and, and part of that is why statistically girls are twice as likely to deal with boys as anxiety, but girls are taken in for help less. Because the implosive girls are the ones who are making straight A's. They are the teacher's pet. In fact, they're the ones the teacher says, well, I have a new girl in class, so I sat your daughter beside her mm. because I knew she'd be kind to her. They're really conscientious. They're really bright. It's why I call my book for elementary age girls, Braver, Stronger, Smarter, because I want them to know it's all these beautiful things about who they are. Mm. It just gets kind of flipped upside down. And so for the imploders, they're trying so hard and trying so hard and they're living their little lives all kind of pent up inside. Mm -hmm. And I think the one place they have a release for all that emotion is home. Mm -hmm. And girls reserve their most negative emotions for home, which I'm sure you know, having three girls. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so I think that's the one place it often comes out. But I feel like most kids are somewhere between the explosive and implosive characteristics. And then you know, obviously the the looping questions we talked about. I would also say physical issues. A lot of anxious kids I see, their doctor is saying, I know they're having recurring headaches or tummy aches or, you know, something, and there's nothing medically wrong. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, we know it likely is anxiety, especially in this day and time for kids, because we are now at one in four kids, one in three adolescents are dealing with anxiety. So it is deeply pervasive in our culture. Wow. Now, you've been doing this work for 30 years. I'm curious, like, how it has changed. Um, I mean, it seems like, based on your uh, statistic, that there are more kiddos that are dealing with yes. anxiety now than ever before. Uh, is that probably safe to assume that that's, like, it's significantly ramped up over the 30 years of yes. your practice? We wrote a book called Are My Kids on Track, I think probably eight years ago now, and the statistics then were one in eight. So wow. we have more than doubled in eight years. And it was doing that even before the pandemic. Yeah. So we can't just blame the pandemic. And anxiety is the most pervasive mental health issue among adults yeah. as well. And yeah. women are still twice as likely, even in adulthood. So I would say I see a lot of anxious moms in my office mm -hmm. more than ever before as well. Yeah. Well, 
You know what? Let's let's go to that question. I feel like that's a, a important question because some mamas, myself included, have our own kind of journey with struggling with anxiety. Uh, so yeah. if you had to think of some a couple tips to give to a mama that's listening that is like, oh my gosh, I may have a kiddo that has anxiety, but I know I do too. What would you yes. share with that mom? Well, I love for any mom who would say that I love their awareness in it because awareness is more than half the battle mm. in dealing with anxiety. And I think Steph, to your point, I mean, I, I really am sitting with so many parents who are saying some version of that. And not only are saying that, but they're saying, I'm hearing more than ever before how many parents feel like failures mm. and how many parents behind the closed doors of my offices would say, I'm getting angry a lot. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and so my newest book, I have a book coming out yes. in August called The Worry-Free Parent. Yes, pre-order. For, <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. For parents about their own anxiety because of that. And and one of the things that I talk about, that we talk about all the time, but I talk specifically about in that book is really the most important thing you can do for your kids, hands down, is to manage your own anxiety. Mm-hmm. And even that, as you're thinking about that and thinking about parenting, I think there's too much pressure. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. we know more than we've ever known and it just compounds and sits on top of us where we think we're supposed to get all the things right. And and one of the things I talk about in the book is giving yourself grace is more important than trying harder. Mm -hmm. Because when we try harder, at least for me, when I'm trying harder all the time is when I get just like those anxious, implosive kids Mm -hmm. and I get angry. It ends up becoming explosive without me intending to. Well, uh, I'll cut open a vein a little bit and share that uh, in working through your book uh, and wanting to support one of my girls that's kind of struggling with some anxiety, um, I admit that I probably am similar to you. I think this is actually something you shared about yourself in your book and that I wouldn't say that I tend to be an overly anxious person. Uh, I feel actually very fortunate that that isn't a natural kind of emotion of mine. But what you had shared in your book was like, are you super type A? And when things don't go exactly the way that they, like you, you manifest and I manifest my anxiety in different ways of essentially trying to keep control over everything. Yes. And yes. that was really paramount in me being able to say, wow, I actually do have some anxiety that I've just figured out how to navigate in adulthood. Uh, and it may not look like what I thought it would look like. So that was very, yes. very good for me. Yes. And I think any of us who are type A, perfectionistic, yeah. if any Enneagram people are out there, Enneagram ones, I think we all have anxiety. And like you said, I mean, I'm a lot older than you are, but I don't think either of us were really talking about feelings much, processing our emotions. A lot of us weren't in counseling. And so, so I think what happened is we just learned to get more productive or more organized mm-hmm. when we felt anxious. It was became, like you said, which is really control. Yeah. It became our primary coping strategy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was so very I love that You're aware of that. Yes. And what a gift to your kids. Yes. Well, um, and uh, I know we'll get to some tools and maybe we even just go that direction right now. But, you know, if anyone's listening right now and they're like, oh, gosh, I do have either some anxiety myself. Uh, or have an anxious kiddo, uh, you know, and this is, this is where I will regularly say, Sissy's only going to touch the surface of some suggestions for tools and resources. Go to their most recent episode that I'll link in the show notes because so, so good. But what would you say are some tools and resources for helping that moms could use in helping their kids manage their own anxiety? 
Yes, I would love to scratch the surface on that. And and to say that episode, I think, can hopefully help. Yeah. And I wrote Raising Worry-Free Girls that you held up earlier, Braver, Stronger, Smarter for Elementary Age Girls and Brave for Adolescent Girls just to give tools. Yeah. So they are chock full of a lot of different things. Um, my first three tools I use with kids in my office, the first is as simple as breathing. Mm -hmm. Because what happens for any of us, you know, if we're having a calmer moment, we have blood flowing all throughout our brain, including going to the prefrontal cortex that helps us think rationally and manage our anxiety. When we get anxious, the blood vessels in our brain constrict and they shift the blood flow back to the amygdala that is the fight or flight region of our brain. And so literally parents will say to me, they're like a crazy person when they get to this point. And exactly because their thinking brain is not even online. Mm -hmm. And so you can't talk them out of it. And until they can calm their body down, they're not going to get to a better place. So us getting stronger or louder or giving them a consequence in the moment, none of that is going to help. Mm -hmm. We need to pause and take some deep breath. With younger ones, I think we can do it with them. With older ones, we can very gently suggest it. Mm -hmm. But what deep breathing is going to do is it's going to dilate the blood vessels in the brain again, shift the blood flow right back. And and the way I do it with kids is I call it square breathing. And, and basically, you breathe in for four seconds on the first line, pause in the corner for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds on the next line, pause in the corner for four seconds, breathe in on the next line for four seconds. You know, we could keep doing it. and. 20 seconds of deep breathing begins the process of resetting the amygdala. Mm. Now, if you have boys, often they need to move before they can breathe. Mm. So to say to him, go jump on your trampoline for two minutes. I'm going to time you right now or go run a lap around the house. I'm going to see how long it takes you. Yeah. Something like that to get them to move because they have more pent up energy. Boys have more physicality by nature to their emotions. And so often they need to do something like that first. So breathing and movement is first. The second are a cognitive behavioral therapy tool called grounding techniques. And so when we've done the breathing, now they're capable of getting their mind out of the loop, but they're not out of the loop yet. They're still perseverating. They're kind of stuck in whatever that is. And so anything that's sensory related is going to pull them back to the present moment, which is what grounding techniques do. Mm -hmm. And and like we talked about, worry and anxiety are past and future. We need them in the present. So mm -hmm. My favorite one is the five, four, three, two, one game. Tell me five things you see. Tell me four things you hear. Tell me three things you feel from a tactile sense, not an emotional sense. Tell me two things you smell and one thing you taste or whatever order you want to go in. It doesn't matter with that. But if, you know, if you and I were to do that right now, to take the time to do that, the especially the smell and taste require focus for mm -hmm. us. And that's what we're wanting to do. Anything that's going to require focus for them. and they're. A lot of grounding techniques, mm. ideas I give in the different books. And then the last would be teaching them to give their worry a name and talk back to it. Mm. So what is going to happen is anxiety is going to shift as kids get older. And like we talked about, they're really bright kids so much of the time. And so we're not going to change that about who they are. Mm. And so what we see happen is it starts out as something like, I'm afraid something bad's going to happen to my mom or dad. Mm. And then it shifts to, um, I saw somebody throw up in school and I haven't thrown up in a long time. And now I can't stop thinking about throwing up to the point that I end up making myself throw up. Yeah. Then it shifts to my friends are going to think I'm annoying or, you know, I'm going to fail this 
physics quiz or whatever. It just shifts basically along the lines of what matters the most to them in terms of their development, Mm. which is why parents will say to me, I never had any anxiety until I became a parent because what matters the most to you all of a sudden started mattering a whole lot more. And so anyway, when we can give the worry a name, that voice that's talking to them saying, you can't do this, you're not ready, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, whatever it is. When they can say, I had a parent tell me just earlier that they named there's tiny. That's a great name for it. When they can say, that's just tiny coming after me again. Tiny's always wrong. And tiny's not the boss of me. And then we teach them to talk back to tiny. Tiny, I'm not listening to you. You're wrong every single time. And and any of us as adults who've been in counseling know that's one of the first things we learn mm. is positive self-talk. Mm. That's what we're teaching kids as we're teaching those skills. Yeah. Oh. Um, so that's first three months of counseling for free. How about that? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I I hope you don't mind me sharing. There's a couple of different things that actually your book kind of helped me to do in our own home um, that has been really helpful. You have an emotions chart kind of um, that you have in the Braver, Smarter, Stronger uh, book that uh, identifies facial, like a fun facial expression with a feeling and an emotion. Uh, And one of the things that our family has done to help our daughters identify how they are feeling about certain things is, all right, we stick the emotion chart in the middle of the table and we say everyone during dinner has to share two stories that are linked to an emotion of what happened in their day. Um, Good for you. That's awesome. And I think my kids, hearing even myself and my husband share, this happened and I felt X or this happened and I felt Y is helping them. I mean, hopefully, you know, uh, and teaching them a skill and being able to identify like this, when this happens, this makes me feel this way. And it's okay for us to talk about it. Uh, And that was largely attributed to uh, some of the things that we have learned uh, through your work. Uh, and the the other thing that you walk people through um, is, especially if you have a kiddo with anxiety at bedtime, uh, the starting at their toes and gradually working up through their whole body to kind of just um, relax each part of their body. Uh, and my kids are literally asleep in like a snap of the finger. That is I awesome. Time to work through that. And so kudos to you and thank you for having such so practical bad. recommendations of things that I think are really uh, helpful and useful, especially to a very overwhelming, it, it can feel very overwhelming uh, emotion for our kiddos to be walking through. So absolutely. Good. Yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, for sure. Well, uh, the last question that I have for you today, uh, and I, I could talk for hours and hours to you about this, uh, but uh, especially when it comes to anxiety in teenagers. Uh, and that's something that I have noticed you have spoken about uh, more often than not, uh, especially on your Instagram. So just a shout out, if you don't follow Sissy on Instagram, now's your uh, <laughs> time to do so. But uh, you've been talking about anxiety in teenagers and preteens. Um, I would love to hear you share some insight and tips for moms that um, may have uh, teens or te- preteens uh, working through some anxiety themselves. Yes, I love that you're asking that because, you know, there was a CDC report 
that just came out recently about teenage girls specifically and how we're seeing more depression, more suicidality than ever before. And, and, and what my experience is, well, the research says anxiety left untreated only gets worse, Mm -hmm. which is why I think so many parents feel like it's so ingrained in them because they weren't in counseling. You weren't in counseling growing up. And so, um, so I think we do need to step in because of that. And because what I'm seeing is I think anxiety that, that stays kind of latent inside of someone and bubbles beneath the surface can often lead over into depression. Mm. And so the sooner we can get some things on board, I think the better again, which is why I wrote the book brave. And so if you have an adolescent girl, I would highly recommend that. And part of it is because with adolescence, we know that our voices as the adults who love them, parents, grandparents, even aunts and uncles, our voices get quieter and Mm. often other voices get louder. Mm. And so to have another voice, whether it's through a book or if you have a son or you have a daughter who won't read the book, I would highly recommend counseling Mm. if you have a really anxious daughter, because we want them to have tools in place. And like we're talking about, this is more about temperament than anything else. Mm. And so when we can get some tools in place for them, those tools are going to last them for the rest of their lives. Mm. And so I would say, particularly with an adolescent, I think it could be great to introduce some kind of other voice to help them do something different because they have to work toward doing the harder things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those, those people, those voices can help them do that. Whereas I think when you're the parent, you often get in power struggles with them when they're teenagers. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, now, I will say uh, in my own kind of personal experience, uh, not only has my daughter been seeing a counselor, so I very much recommend uh, that any moms that are navigating some of this with their kids, uh, that that's something I would personally recommend. It's been very, very helpful. Uh, but there's no shame in moms being a therapist too. Uh, and that's something that I recently started doing myself, uh, to work through just some of the stuff that we've, I've been processing as a business leader for the past three years during a pandemic, uh, but also as a mom. And so I would say, you know, this is my like (laughs) invitation for any moms that are feeling kind of a tinge to like, gosh, this might be a good solution or a good help to me. Uh, do it. I I'm on my like counseling soapbox lately because I do think it is very, very helpful, uh, to walk through, uh, some of the hard stuff in life alongside of somebody else. So. Mm, thank you for doing that. Well, uh, uh-uh. Sissy, thank well, you. Literally, we have just touched the surface on this. Yes, there's so much to talk about. Oh, my goodness. Well, your uh, resources and the work that you do is so valuable and so important. And so thank you for sharing a small part of it with us today. Thanks, Dev. I'm so honored to be with y'all. A huge thank you to Sissy for sitting in and providing such tangible, helpful support and resources for the moms and the listeners of Just Add Sprinkles Celebrating Motherhood. If you want to check out the work that Sissy is doing, again, a reminder, you can find her on Instagram and her website, RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. You can also check out our show notes with links to all of the books that she has written, as well as some other resources, including sister site content about the topic of anxiety and kids. We've got a couple of really awesome episodes coming up that I want to make sure that you all are aware of. The first is the first week of April. We'll be releasing another episode of the stories with the topic of Jewish Heritage Month. 
And then in mid-April, April 13th specifically, we will be releasing an episode on how to prep your kids for college. So you're going to want to stay tuned. Those are going to be great episodes. We can't wait for you to give them a listen. Now, I want to leave you all with a little encouragement from Sissy's book, Raising Worry-Free Girls. And she says this note specifically about girls and our kids. She says, our kids feel bravest when someone they love reminds them of the truth of who they are. And as we always say, lean in to supporting our kiddos through their ups and downs of childhood, but it never hurts. Add a little sprinkles to a Sunday every now and then and just add sprinkles. For show notes and more information on this episode of Just Add Sprinkles Celebrating Motherhood, please visit momcollective.com. There you can find more information on our topic, our guest, and our host, Stephanie Fleece. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to give a review wherever you listen to podcasts so we can keep encouraging moms to celebrate motherhood and just add sprinkles.